Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, Just One More Thing, a podcast all about Columbo. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time we're talking about old-fashioned murder. Originally broadcast November 28th, 1976. Written by Peter S. Feebleman, Peter S. Fisher, under the name Lawrence Vale. Directed by Robert Douglas, starring Joyce Van Patten, Jimmy Berlin, Tim O'Connor, Celeste Holm, and Peter Falk as Columbo. And every episode of the podcast, we're joined by a special guest to help us discuss the episode this time around. It's writer and host of the Tire Fire Reading Series, Jamie Fontaine. But before we bring her on, RJ, tell us all about an old-fashioned murder. Hey, let's go on a field trip. Sorry, though, kids. We're not going to the cool, hands-on science museum. We're going to Lytton Museum, decorated with case after case of dusty, vague relics and artifacts in a creepy old mansion. If we're lucky, we can maybe catch a glimpse of the ex-con guard sneaking a smoke or the bitter curator, Ruth Litton. I hope we don't get there too late, though. The place is up for sale, and Ruth herself may be heading off to prison for killing both that ex-con and her hated brother. It's not all boring artifacts and murder, though. One of the best exhibits is this little rumpled detective who just sits in an alcove, playing an audio tape for hours and hours and hours. If you all behave, we'll even visit the gift shop where they have a wonderful assortment of belt buckles that double as ashtrays. Okay, now who has their permission slips? That's I like the show. that one. Thank That's you good. Very, thank you very That's much. Good. All right, Jamie, welcome to the show. Now, you were not super familiar with Columbo. Prior no, this to is my first, first one? episode. Yeah, the first time I've ever watched Columbo. All right, and, and uh, without giving too much away... How do you feel? Because this is kind of an odd one, actually. Oh, well, I loved it. And oh, I, good! Yeah. And I also have always loved Peter Falk's glass eye. So well, who I wouldn't? was like yes. a monster. Yeah, yeah. No, this one, actually, uh, let, let's start off with that. John, you, yes, you messaged me uh, earlier this week very excitedly about uh, that very right, well, topic. This yes. is something I think we can visit repeatedly throughout the episode, but... Uh, there's a big question that bothers Columbo fandom about whether or not Columbo has a glass eye. Now, we know Peter Falk does, of course. Right. But the question is whether the character Columbo also has a glass eye. And my opinion is this episode says he does. And, and how, so, how, how do you take that from that? Well, first off, there's, there's going to be a lot of weird close-ups on Columbo, like more than any other Columbo I've ever seen. Yeah, this one was directed oddly. <laughs> it was very yes. odd. Yeah. Uh, but you see his eyes really there's a lot of centering on his eyes and of course one of them doesn't move right now, it could just be an injury but here's why i'm going to say it's a glass eye there is mm -hmm. one scene where colombo is at the murder scene he's deep in thought he's very distracted and our murderess is going to walk up to him with a cup of tea on his right side and she's going to be standing at his shoulder and he's not going to see her at all but then he's slowly going to start to notice, and of course it's with his left eye, his good eye, and he's slowly, and then when he sees her, ah, oh, shock, oh, she's standing right there, she's right on my shoulder. I think that's because Columbo has a glass eye. See, now, I saw that scene, and I thought he was just kind of very, very deep in thought and creeped out, and he did notice there was somebody there, and then was startled. So I don't know, but I could see your way, but then also I could see, like, Eh, he just also was just, just staring at the weird, boring museum, too, at the same time. <laughs> so I'm not sure which it is. But it's strange because, yeah, there are so many shots and so many scenes in this, more than I can remember in other episodes, where it's very, very obvious that Peter Falk has the glass eye. And I would love to know why they did that in this one so much. Perhaps we'll find out as we discuss it. Oh! Mm. You, you seem to know some things, all right. Well, uh, not really. <laughs> uh, thanks, John. Everybody turn off your iPods now. That's it. We're done. We're finished. There's there's nothing to hope for. But let's let's go back to Jamie, shall we? We kind of like sure. buried her right away. Sure, sure, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. So so what was it that uh, what were some things you uh, particularly loved about seeing this, your first Columbo uh that's this episode? Well, I always love when a uh, rich family is two-thirds English. Um, <laughs> I, lo 
they usually that gets me right into knowing how rich they are. So right. rich that most of them are actually English people. Right, because uh, they, they couldn't be otherwise. Yeah, they couldn't be fancy if they weren't. Well, I guess your two options, if you're very wealthy and it's the seventies, are creepy or British. <laughs> what if you're William? F. Unless Buckley? you. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> He just must have been the richest guy in the 70s because he was crypto, creepy and weirdly British. Crypto, crypto repu- Yeah, exactly. I was going to say crypto Republican, but crypto fascist, same it's difference. Crypto. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, the, the characters all seemed like they were kind of in different shows. Yes. But, oh, man. But totally. in a way that almost made sense. But, like, but yeah. like everybody had such a different style of acting uh, that I didn't. It was like. <laughs> It was very fun to watch all of these people interact as if maybe they were in separate rooms. <laughs> That's a real good point. Tim yeah. O'Connor has a very, very firm and formal kind of performance. Yep. Jo- Joyce Van Patten, a little looser, a little vaguely, stagey. She's uh, very stagey. Super stagey, but super stiff and strange. Like the first like quarter of this episode, mm. I really didn't like it because it was just so slow and stiff and odd and i didn't I, I think about she, it in I, terms of i'm oh, sorry God. no so i just thought it was kind of theatrical i thought she was like especially the way she moves it's very much like a stage play yeah no definitely and, and, but everybody just seems like it's this weird very stiff thing and yeah the niece uh jenny berlin yeah. is kind of like her acting style is very odd in this i'm not <laughs> sure you exactly it, what it is would you call would... it not great <laughs> yes yes i would i think most of it she seemed like she had accidentally showed up and they gave her the lines and she <laughs> did them yeah pretty much and yeah. So yeah, yeah. in the jail scene she like kind of seemed like she knew what was going on because they gave her a special outfit and cigarettes but other right. than that yeah no but yeah when she's first in there it's very much uh she's doing the line readings in the rehearsal room yeah for the program that's it although and then oh, there's I- that well, we'll get. We're gonna have to get to that in a minute. Let's uh, let's hit Celeste home before we get out of the critiques. Oh, she's oh that's favorite. Yeah, she's just broad she's... and silly and strange, and the repeated fainting is just—it's such a weird thing, and it comes up over and over and over again. Yeah, she was so delicate, and yet, right? What did she? She kept saying things like, "I'm not made of lace," and then she'd faint when someone said the word "and." She does have the best line about that. There's a couple of really good lines in this one. One of one of them is hers, where she says something like, I'm not made of lace. I am a she describes herself as being very tough or something, and then adds somewhere deep inside. <laughs> like she I knows. Actually... Yeah. No, go yeah. ahead, please. Somewhere inside I am strong is what yeah. it was. I yes. wrote it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she That's said a somewhere a couple of times really wistfully. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, that's I guess that's kind of not atypical for a Columbo episode, particularly a Peter S. Fisher episode, where it does feel like there's been some cherry picking of characters from different oeuvre. Right. Where I was just like, oh, like they'd written like somebody had a couple like screenplays for different episodes of TV shows laying around like Mm -hmm. "Eh, put this, this and this together. Hey, there we go. We had a Columbo. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. Kind of. That that being said, hmm. who do you who do you think Falk interacted with best? Because I have I have a I think will be a, a controversial opinion, but I want to hear everyone else. Oh, um, I don't know because I wouldn't say Joyce Van Patten because like his scenes with her, he seems like he pretty much knew it was her. Not too far into it, um, I'd say almost. Well, I don't know, like uh, the niece, actually. Because that scene with okay. her, that scene with the niece in the jail, he's trying, he's trying to, to like, uh, really connect with that character and without overtly saying, like, your life has been messed up from the get-go and mm-hmm. trying to get her to realize what to do. Like, I'd say, like, this stuff he's doing with her, yeah, I don't know. I'd say with her. I, I know, okay. John, you're going to say the hairdresser. Of course. No, we're going to get... It's got to be the hair... Yeah, it's got to oh, be Daryl. Oh, I love Daryl. Yeah, Daryl, the hairdress, hairdresser, is going to be a John's <laughs> choice. So, yes. We're uh, going to get back to him in a bit, of I'm course. sure. Oof. Um, 
uh, before I before I go, Jamie, do you have an opinion on that? I mean, I guess watching Columbo interact with the characters, for, the characters like in the actual Joyce in Joyce Van Patten's family, the Littons, like none of those people seems to be on the same show as him. Right. They mm-hmm. just were standing very close by him. Yeah. So when he was like making fun of the uh, the sergeant and like when he was comp- and I did love Daryl and the fact that he was just like okay I'll get a haircut like that, <laughs> just, that part seemed the most like they were on the same show right uh, but that actually the whole like hair salon thing where he made the the sergeant pay for his manicure it's pretty good yes. Those yeah. are the shiniest. Like I know a manicure shines your nails, but those nails were yes, shiny. Those were good. Like, yeah, he got his money. Daryl's the best. He's got <laughs> yeah. He got his sergeant's money's worth. Daryl felt like he. Daryl felt like he had a lot of backstory. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he really when, did. He, yeah, yeah. When he was sassin Columbo, it got real kind of dark. Oh no, it did but, totally did. Yeah, yes. and you get the feeling that Daryl has been driven out of a few clubs by riot cops or uh, vice cops. Oh sure. No, definitely get that impression. He does yeah. not have a high opinion of the police. And Columbo sure. just trying to ask some questions. That's it. He's not with a those guys. Of, a lot of ways. And also, Daryl's influence is is perpetuated throughout the city. Right. Because even the, so even the watch the salesman. The watch guy. The watch salesman yeah. knew. He was like, oh, he went to Daryl, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. That's, Everybody yeah. loves Daryl. Yeah. Daryl's on a whole different... We talk sometimes on the show about uh, Columbo being an antibody who infiltrates shows when the, the lead characters go wrong. <laughs> and I like to think he just sort of crossed off of a show just about Daryl, like a really stupendous and occasionally heartfelt taxi style sitcom about a, about a hairstylist. Oh, about a hairstylist. I, I would have watched every episode of that yes. every day. Mm-hmm. Why? That I wish show. that were real. That would be such a good show. That wouldn't be bad at all. I like that. We're here. Like we're inventing magic here. That's great. If only people were buying TV shows from the seventies, <laughs> we would be I making mean, so much money pitching those. Well, and I uh, looked up the actor, and he is quite dead. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. he he, uh, no he was actually an original member of the Second City troupe, um, and was friends with Joe. Really? His name's Anthony Holland, and he played like one-off characters in every sitcom for the entire nineteen seventies. Oh. oh my goodness! I think Wait. he. Oh, he's not. No, no. Sorry, that's what? too early. Well, I talked about this before. There's an episode of Three's Company where, because you know, Three's Company stock and trade was Jack Tripper was playing. Whenever he was cornered by the the landlord, he would play an outrageous caricature of a gay man. Right. And there's an episode late in the Three's Company series where he meets a representative for a gay rights group. And he's kind of bouncing off each other, doing the the extravagant gay mannerisms, and then the the representative of the activist group drops it, and he just reads Jack Tripper the riot act about it. And oh. I I think that might actually be Anthony uh, Hall. I'm going to do a little looking around. All right. He was on an episode of Three's Company, um, where no, Jack not. bought a fake mustache. Yeah, that's it not it. Sorry. Sound as um. As socially important, maybe. Well, no, the thing is, also, he was with Paul Sand and also Mike Nichols and Elaine May in that original company. Shall I go ahead and drop that, then? Please do. Uh, I mentioned this. I should have saved this for the episode. I mentioned it before, and it shocked everybody. Jeannie Berlin is Elaine May's daughter. Yeah, which, which is I nice. I had no idea, and as soon as she said that, looking at her, oh, I was yeah, like, that of face. course. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> She uh, just uh, didn't get the family acting gene. Eh, th- yeah, maybe this just maybe wasn't it's her- directing. Maybe that's it. Who knows? Maybe it was the horrible interior decorating in her room. Could be that too. Yes. I kind of liked it, but it did look like a bathroom in a restaurant I would only go to once. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it looked like she was living inside a McDonald's Happy Meal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. A seventies oh. Burger King lobby. <laughs> Who knows? Now that you attribute a hamburger smell to the bedroom, I like it a lot less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those Not more, because now I'm hot. like, oh, that wouldn't be bad. I don't know. An eternal hamburger smell in your bedroom? Yeah, I feel like that, would, that wouldn't be. I guess yeah. you're right. Yeah. It wouldn't be like a fresh food smell. It would be... Flame broil, though? Come on. 
I do kind of hate when the car smells like hot dog or hamburgers when you come back from a fast food joint. You know. Yeah. And I you, it. It's not even yours. Somebody else's. Some Somebody raccoon. else's hamburger. Some raccoons, some raccoons got in there. Oh, we got so many people. Yeah. Just to loop this around, by the way, sure. I think Peter Falk's most natural scenes were with Celeste Holm. Really? Because Falk has a real deft hand with light, broad comedy. Oh, and there was definitely that with Celeste Holm. Yes, yeah. and you know, I mean, there to, was to, like one where they did like a classic old like, "Oh, you're not going to faint, are you?" And mm-hmm. then she does cut to the commercial. It was yeah. like such a weird, broad farce thing. I like when he's interviewing her in her room and the threat of her fainting is hanging over the scene like the Sword of Damocles and he's proceeding so carefully with her. Right. Like, you're not going to go nuts, are you? You're not going to faint, are you? Like, oh, no, I'll be fine. (laughs) Okay. Well, this happened and then she's out like a carp. Yeah. Oh, she was my favorite character. She (laughs) didn't make any sense. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Mrs. Brant? Okay. Mrs. Brant was the way to go. Yeah, because you're like, I always leave a room with a man in my arm and drinking cocktails and just wealthy and just like the Yeah, weird... and just wearing like yeah. advanced nightgowns, advanced morning <laughs> nightgowns. Yeah, morning she... with a U. Yeah, she did have like the digivolved caftans. <laughs> they were like super, super evolved. But like, I everything... think my perception of how rich people dress definitely came from 1970s reruns. Oh, so I'm yeah. like, so in my mind, if I ever become extremely wealthy, that's exactly what I'll be like. Exactly. Maybe less fainting, but no promises. You know, you know though, that Celeste Holmes' character is just like 20 years before the Beals of Grey Garden. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, isn't that really? the goal of wealth? Is to <laughs> someday, someday lose it to raccoons? <laughs> yeah. Who leave, leave the hamburger smell in your car? Yes. Gosh, you know, as we talk about this, there's so many little things in the episode, and I don't know if we're going to have time to discuss them all. It's a like what? Well, I like how Tim O'Connor dies. Yeah, I love that he grabs the ropes. I thought that was really beautifully theatrical. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good lines in this. It's a rough episode. We should probably talk about that too. Well, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like I I remember the first time I saw this uh, a while ago. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of felt like, eh. And when I started watching this, I was like, oh, this is slow and not one of my favorites. I got to the point where it's like, it's okay. Yeah. Um, there are moments in it, but it's not one of my favorites. But uh, the certain moments in it are actually good. And it actually, there's some very, very good uh, Columbo character stuff in this. Just from the investigating and everything else. There's a lot of that in here that's very, very good. But yeah, some of the rest of it just... It drags it back just enough for me to not put it up there to one of my favorite seventies ones. A little bit. I think yeah. there's. I think there's some weakness in the direction. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a lot of shots where there. It feels like there's different film stock in the same scene. Yeah. Am I the only guy seeing that no, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. We're just. Yeah. yeah it looks different. Well, it looks weird. Yeah. I think, like the writing, the directing kind of seems like it was cobbled together yeah a bunch of different ideas yeah like maybe they just had like a well, bag uh, of ideas and shots and they just grabbed them yeah definitely. Well, that's, let's use that as the intro because there were some ideas some some concepts pitched in this episode that fizzled weirdly yes yeah 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 definitely. so i felt like that too yes there was a. Uh, it felt like they were building up to a revelation that janie the the niece of the murderess ruth Litton was actually Ruth's daughter. Right. And then, no. They didn't even, it, they hinted, 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 and then just stopped hinting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was weird. It wasn't, they didn't say either way. They were just like, oh, well, now you have to talk to each other. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, here's a, right. I looked at your uh, birth certificate. Uh, it didn't really mean anything, but I did. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Your mother, your mother was two months pregnant when you got married. That went nowhere. Yes. That right. meant nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then the yeah. bit about Columbo suggesting that maybe Ruth Litton murdered her former lover slash her brother-in-law. Right. And then that came up in like the last 15 minutes of the episode and then was wiped out. Yes. He shows up later at the house and he's just like, I made that up. But I, I don't think, think, well, no, no. I didn't I get the impression no. that he really made that up. 
Right. Yeah, I got I the either. impression he was saying it because it would be easier to make her have her leave quietly. Right. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I think he did think that that was a deal. And to me, that actually then clicks in with Ruth earlier in the episode really pushing the chamomile, not chamomile, but chamomile tea on him, uh, which is, to me, also kind of like a tied into the, the weird line about like a death always reminds you of death and murder reminds you of murder. Uh, the fact that early in the episode, Ruth is like, oh, well, you really want the chamomile tea for... Murder. Yeah, for your... Um, <laughs> yes, for, for your murder. But for, for your um, allergies. Yeah. But the fact I think later, yeah, I got the impression that later when he's like uh, coming to arrest her and he's saying that and uh, Ruth is saying like, oh, no, you don't mean that. You mean it's just kind of things like, uh, yeah, sure. I just meant you're just I'm, I'm just making that up just get you along. I, guess, I but... think that's I think he really thought that but he was just trying to like spare uh, the Ginny Berlin from having to try to act. I guess yeah. I guess so, but yeah. even if even if that was him dismissing it, it didn't really play into the episode anyway. It didn't help him figure out the murder. No, it was just like an addition to like this family yeah. being messed up and strange in the past, and there being this like more tragic past. But yeah, you're right; it's not as explicit mm. as it could have been. He may as well really have said, hammer that home. In nineteen in 1968, you murdered Tom Wilson, and then like that, we don't know who that is. Barely plays a role in the show. Right. And Janie, really, Janie's father doesn't do, it doesn't have any real relation. We get that, uh, uh, you know, we don't have Celeste Holmes' first name, do we? Well, we know the Celeste no, Holmes character. No, she was listed as Mrs. Brandt. Mrs. Brandt. She didn't Brandt. have a first name. That's it. Yeah. So she, uh, we know that she stole her sister's lover and married him. Right. But it got knocked up by him first and got then up. married him. And, you know, and like maybe that. that's, and maybe that's Ruth's story, too. Yeah. You know, but, uh. Yeah, that's one. Anyway, so that's a thread for me. There's another one. Which one? Um, let me come back to me because I have to think of a way to phrase this. Oh, it's probably why the sergeant is such a terrible, terrible actor. As sure, well. let's talk about what's uh, that sergeant thread? Because that that sergeant, the guy playing the sergeant, is awful. I was shocked Actually, at how bad he was. He's because one of usually several they cast, but he they usually cast okay guys like the assistants and these things, even the seventies ones. And yeah. oof, this guy! My God, he was sticking yeah. up the screen. <laughs> I think they were. I think he they was were like a to... personality void. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he was like a he was like a, a dime store Dennis Dugan is what he was. I've described I've described another uh, a character in a different show like this recently, but I'll go and reuse it. It's a weaponized lack of chemistry. <laughs> yes. He's that's, terrible. That's what but he's, it is. He's yes. not the only bad actor. The other sergeant. Uh, who I believe is Mike Lally. Which one? Look, looking at the credits, the when they're in uh, in the doctor's apartment, and there's another oh, sergeant right. comes up. He has one line, and then he leaves. Yeah. Wasn't a very good read. No. Um, oh, that couldn't have been Mike Lally. Hold on, that guy was born in 1900. Anyway, <laughs> close <laughs> enough. Sure, why not? He ate, he ate. He ate well. Oh, here it is, Morris, Morris Buchanan. He was in Coffee, so I thought it can't have been a guy who was born in 1900. Right. Yeah. Um, the photographer. Who's like, excuse me, we have to take a photo of these, and then they overdub him articles, even though he clearly said artifacts. Right. He had a terrible read. There was a there were a, a lot of ancillary actors who were which, quite bad. Yeah, I know, which is weird because I for the most part I like that scene, I like that sequence. That weird thing where they're all jammed into that phone booth, having to do that, the investigative work talking back and forth. That that's really interesting. Because you don't see a lot of that in Colombo, and it's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of undercut by people not being good. Them not hiring good actors. Which, yeah, I was shocked yeah. because... And I think they, they were doing something intentionally with him, though. I think they were trying to play Sergeant Miller as an unimaginative, by-the-book detective who was yeah, kind of but hampering no. Columbo. But it just it came off like a guy who couldn't read. Yeah, he was only in one other film, actually. Yeah. I remember Maybe he it. just was like walking past and the somebody else called out that day and they were yeah. like excuse me you look sort of like a young john Kerry. <laughs> can you read well so someone someone who uh, associated with the show had seen sheila levine is dead and living in new york his one other credit and thought that's the guy <laughs> that's our they... sergeant miller 
casting director was just saying, we need somebody with a really long face. Uh, yeah. As long yeah. as possible. Yeah, why long a long face? Yeah. Uh, speaking of... Not, I don't think a bad Wait, actor. Hold on, a, hold on, hold on, one sorry, second. Sorry, sorry. I'm looking at the uh, credits for Sergeant Miller's one other film he ever did. Okay. The lead actress, uh, Jeannie Berlin. Ah. She starred with Roy Scheider in that film. Hmm. And and Sid Milton. That's what? a lot uh, of long faces. Good lord. <laughs> was uh, was Elaine May involved in that one at all? I don't. As a writer? No, not at all. All right, then I have no idea. Weird. For uh, any of the audience, uh, any of our listeners, and the audience, any one of our listeners, you <laughs> know that Sh- Sheila Levine is dead and living in New York, 1975, not available on any streaming service anyway. All right, Enjoy. so you'll never see it. So if you can, I'm sure it's on BitTorrent. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? One seater, no leeches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, speaking of uh, of at least an awkward <laughs> actor, that would be, uh, I believe, Peter S. Feebleman. Oh yeah, he's who like, not the writer only, is in this. Yeah, right. I don't think he did much writing. I have a feeling he improvised some lines, maybe. And that's how you get a credit. Well, that's how that works. If you come up with a line that sticks in, I think that's how it worked on Deadwood. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, no, he's, he is a screenwriter, so he might have he might have actually contributed. Wait, who else did he play in? Who did he play in this? this was... He was uh, he was um, our Milton Schaefer. Oh, yeah, Milton. With the swankiest outfit I've ever seen on Columbo. Wait, he wrote, he wrote Unson Pulver, the screenplay for that. Really? I don't know that one. Uh, it's a sequel to, um, oh gosh, it's based on a play. Uh, Burl Lies, Walter Matthau are both in it. Robert Walker Jr. plays the um, lead role. But I think it's like a sequel to some other like uh, Mr. Roberts. F- yes. Yeah. 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 It's a sequel to that. He wrote the screenplay. All right, fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's got a few other credits, but I yeah I don't I don't know what his contribution was. I thought he was okay. Yeah. But again, he was not a performance that was lighting anything on fire. Now, so far, our standard of performances appears to be Peter Falk, Celeste Holm, and uh, Anthony Holland as Daryl. Okay, so those appear to be the guys we love the most. Do we really want to keep talking about this episode then? If that's I what do, we're doing. I do. Oh my goodness. Uh, so you said there were a lot of like uh, interesting little moments. Yeah, uh, please bring them up. I, it's I'm, not been super positive so far. I very much like uh, Ruth Litton's kill line, mm. which is when her brother comes downstairs and says something like, "What are you doing here?" And she says, "I wish, wish yes, people would stop asking me that." And then yeah. shoots him dead. Yeah. Good kill line. Mm-hmm. I very much like the scene where they're kind of poking over Milton's corpse trying to find details, and then they're all crammed in that phone booth. Yes, no, that, I love that scene. That's wonderful and Which, strange and creepy, yeah. Did I, I sent you that screen cap, right? No. I, I figured so. out that the golden circle, the golden ratio... What? ...applies to a shot in that scene. No way! It absolutely does. I'll oh post that up. Oh my god! Yeah, see, there are like, the there's like five guys like jammed in there, so actually yeah. that... Yes, and the I Columbo's arm makes the outside sweep. It's Weird. a beautifully composed scene. And wow. I have a screen cap that looks like a painting. Or if I, I would love to see an oil painting that looked just like that. But I like how I'm it sure became, you could commission someone. <laughs> I like how it became a contribution. Wow. So you had these characters who are kind of ancillary, hanging around. Miller not contributing much. And then all of a sudden, everybody's kind of poking. Like he's, uh, he's losing his hair. No, he had a haircut. Right. Uh, yeah, that was... That was I, like, I like when Columbo really interacts... Not directly, but collaboratively with his peers. Right, yeah, no, like the ones that, yeah, I enjoy a lot more when it's, he's working with the guys, and essentially, what do you think happened here? Well, here's this, this, and this. I like it better when, yeah, he's mm-hmm. talking back and forth and saying, there's this, no, it might be this, no, it's this. Uh, those scenes always work a lot better in the show. And you don't, it's weird that you don't see it as much. Right. I think you would. Like, as much of the uh, procedural kind of things. Yeah, yeah and th- we do see that in the '90s more, where they were clearly, you know, coasting some possible spinoffs that right. never materialized. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this will be a controversial one. I like the scene quite a bit where Ruth lets Janie find the corpse of her uncle. Oh gosh, no, that's not controversial at all. That's amazing and creepy and unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I love that. Well, I would love it because it, it's terrible, but I mean, I thought <laughs> it was good. I thought it was very good. I mean, of all the people you would have discover the corpse, you were, yes, go look at that for me. Right. I like that, yeah, there's a moment where Van Patten has, she starts looking just terrified and ashamed, and you, you realize she just realizes what she's doing. Yes. Yeah, and it might no. be the only time she's really recognized. She's about to put this girl she loves like a daughter mm-hmm. through a terrible shock, and she might just be realizing, oh, my God, I killed my brother. Right. You know, this is it's a it's a good scene that she really conveys. And then Janie, uh, Janie Berlin does, I think, maybe for the for one of two times in this episode, really fills the role. Oh, no, it was good. That's great what she does there. Yeah. Which is like Aunt Ruth Aunt Ruth. And it's really Mm -hmm. calm. And then she just screams. And it's not it's not even like a movie screen. No. Yeah. It just seems very real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that Maybe was Maybe they great. actually killed Tim O'Connor. Maybe they did. Check in on him. Yeah, I'll, I'll check his IMDb. Like, oh, but, uh, crap. So there's year. a third scene, but I want to save it because there's a lot to talk about. But it does remind – I think I can I can parse now the other thing that felt like a loose thread. Hmm. I don't understand why Ruth framed Janie. Yeah, I don't get that either. That seems – yeah, I, considering they build it up to that she really cares about her – yeah, why would she have done that? I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't there scare. were a lot of things that sort of I feel like they could have just there were there were easily solvable problems. Like why was there a for-profit museum? Right. <laughs> yeah. If they had just applied for a non-profit status, right. none of this would have happened. Right. Makes about as much this... sense as a uh, for-profit park in Philadelphia. Aren't there uh, didn't he? Didn't Tim O'Connor's character mention there was a board or there was a? Yeah, a, I think. But so. then yeah. he said it was like two out of three, and then you realize that the board is at least my interpretation. Was oh, the, the, it was just the three siblings. Right. Yeah, yeah, that must be it. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, good. Good point. I know that there are private museums. It is weird that this is Southern California, and there's a museum that literally has the axe used by William the Conqueror in the Battle of Hastings. Huh. Because they never get into that either. Like, where did this stuff come from? Just yeah, you get that family it's... members buying it? How, where did you but Ruth, you get uh, this? Uh, uh, Ruth's brother accuses her of running out and buying more stuff. So it's not family stuff. This is just right. like her obsession? I guess. I don't that's know. A, I guess that's another thread that's not really developed. No. And they... Uh, so another scene that I quite like is planted in the middle of a scene of a of a premise I don't understand. Okay. So I I enjoy the scene where Ruth I'm gonna I gotta look his name up. I'm so sorry. I keep saying Tim O'Connor's character Edward Lytton. Ruth Edward, and Edward yes. are jousting and he's she's destroying him. And she does that quote. Uh, what is it, a compliment? Is like a kiss through a veil, and he goes, mm, Victor "Oh, Victor Hugo, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah." No, yeah, he's yeah. like, "Oh, Oscar Wilde," and then she does Victor Hugo, and, and then, then they right. switches it later. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's just destroying him in that and, thing. And, and somehow she destroys him by turning the lights off in the room. Right. That causes his eyes to feel stabbing pain because she turns the lights off in her room. It's like, really? Dude, come on. Yeah, he's old. He has condition. Uh, so I like that scene a lot. It, it, but it happens in the middle of a scene where she's very clearly conscious of her age and her lost opportunities. Janie has inadvertently made her feel very old, even though she's 40-something in this, 42, 43. Mm-hmm. And she, she's even doing, she's staring into the mirror and touching her face and seeing her lost beauty. And then we just, we're going to drop that and not address it at all the rest of the episode. Yeah, kind of, except for the fact that she keeps talking. Well, I, they kind of do. You think? In a way that there's the painting of her younger... It, it's her saying like, "Oh, you say I'm a, a, a an old maid? Is that it?" And it's like they kind of do, but not. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, entirely. I, I'm thinking about um, not forgotten lady. What is the episode with the woman who kills her brother and marries Leslie Nielsen? Oh, oh, oh um, yes. Dresses yes. like strawberry shortcake. Anyway, right? Yes. That's- that sounds amazing. If you, you could gonna, see the t- you should see that one. Uh, Title of that lady. Yeah. It's so good. We'll send you a link. Um, 
But uh, like that one was about a woman who had lost opportunities and was having her youth stolen from her, and then she just reversed that and claimed it all back in the most violent Lady, way possible. Lady in Waiting. Lady in Waiting. It is on Watch Instantly, so you should definitely watch that one. But Very yes. good episode. Uh, one yes. of our favorites, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, two uh, out of three of the guests that episode, but yes, that's... Mutual favorites. It was all right. Um, but uh, it's just... I, and I know we're spoiled by that one, but I just wonder if... I, you're right. I think I don't remember which of you said earlier, but it felt like this was put together from a bunch of different plots. Yeah, and it kind of does. And that one feels like it came from a different plot. I mean, but also this way, the, the, watching through this one, I kind of felt like uh, the the Ruth character. It's like you could have gotten out of this at some point, right? Yeah. Or if you're rich, why wouldn't you just find yourself a trophy husband? Who enjoyed <laughs> spending time away from you while you're at a museum alone with your but brother? That, but I think it seems like she kind of uh, got to the point where she was okay having that role where it's like, all right, I guess I'll just be the one who maintains a family museum. Fine. I read her as like, much more yeah. more contemptuous. Well, yeah, no, she was bitter about yeah. it the entire time. I don't, I but she saying, enjoyed I don't being bitter about it. She enjoyed yeah, I think that she was... Anger. I think she was contemptuous before she was bitter. Ah, okay. I think she was the kind of, I think she's always been the kind of person, just from how she's portrayed here, who's just so frustrated with having to deal with people. And so she's developed this cool, critical persona. Right. She even she even sasses her niece when she's you know doing that thing about don't wake your uncle up and, and Janie's not having it. She says, we must be polite even to people we do not necessarily love. Right. Which was just a real stilted kind of dicky thing to say. I, eh, I think she's just, I think she's just kind of a bad person. Yeah, probably. And the way she, the way um, Van Petten plays it too the entire time, which is this very sort of cold, cut off, annoyed with everything. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was a weird portrayal, I thought. I feel like if it had been written more clearly, which it clearly wasn't, yes. then maybe because she seemed to be like kind of going for a bunch of different things and hoping that it all turned into a character. She was trying. Yeah. Just, I right. don't know what she was trying to accomplish. You know, I, I think if we look at the fact that Peter S. Fisher, who uh, put his actual name on a lot of Columbo episodes, uh, who was like the creator of Murder, She Wrote, has done lots of other things. The fact that he used an assumed name on this Probably, episode, yeah. maybe we should look at this. Let's, he, had done, uh, he had done other Columbo episodes before this. Very good this ones, one, too. Yeah, but this one he thought, like, eh, I'm not going to put my name on this. What's, maybe, the, other maybe episode, that's, uh, what's maybe the other episode that he put a fake name on, RJ? I don't know. What? Strange Bedfellows, the George Went episode. Oh, really? Yes. Really? These are the two. Those are the two episodes yes. he did. Well, then, I think we got our answer right there. Strange Bedfellows, uh, Jamie, wow. is an episode that we are building up to because it is. Uh, it's my opinion. It's it's the worst. Yeah, and also it's my opinion. It's going to be our last one of these <laughs> in the year twenty thirty five when we finally finish this podcast. Get That's going to be. Yeah, we'll get Aaron Blair back and we'll talk about Strange Bedfellows. But wow. he really does. He does I didn't have know that. That, that says a lot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But he's got a friend indeed, which is, I think, you know, one of our more yeah. enjoyable ones. Yes, he had yeah, an exercise yeah. in fatality, a fun one. Negative reaction, which also had George right. Patton. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's. Yeah. So, yeah, evidently Peter Fisher thought at some point, like, eh, eh, it's not my best day. Wow. Uh, okay. That's. That's interesting to know. Hmm. Another scene I really thought worked very well was the prison scene. Yeah, that was good. And had I, I love it when TV shows do fake brands. So, so screen cap. So this uh, one you have Ajax chocolate bars and flavor. Cecil branded cigarettes. I love, I love when like the, the production department goes to the trouble of making fake labels for things. Yeah. They it's did like, look oh, like working. a lady's cigarette. Oh no, she's she's hardcore though. She's in lady yeah. jail, so now she wouldn't want the yeah. lady cigarettes. Yeah, well, yeah, she preferred her own. She wants the coffin nails. She wants the big stuff, the hard <laughs> stuff. There you go. She uses a 14th century belt buckle as an ashtray. She's a tough broad. Exactly. I was a little frustrated with it because when you see Columbo grabbing everything out of the leather bag, which is a good bit of misdirection, he brought this. He brought the bag, 
to to give her something to focus on. So it seemed like that was what he was bringing for her to recognize. Yes, again, but secretly it's, like, it's the belt buckle. Yeah, again, that's like for all the faults for me this episode has. Mm. There's a lot of really good Columbo investigative stuff in this one, and that, yeah, that that's that's one of the best ones too. But and when it's, uh, it's not super obvious. He just does it, and yeah. it's there, and you pick it up, and it, you don't draw attention to it to the audience. You like you just are allowed to realize, oh, that's what he's doing, which I like. Yeah. But when he's uh, when he's dragging stuff out of the bag, he's got cheeseburgers, Ajax candy bars, Cecil brand cigarettes, and a big mess of ketchup packets. <laughs> but when they do the close up on everything, the ketchup packets are gone. I was very disappointed. Maybe he pocketed them. Yeah, that's what I think. Sure. Maybe Columbo that's the one thing she that. wanted. That it does seem like something he would do. Yeah, Columbo would definitely pocket ketchup, take him back home. I'm Even sure his car it's for later. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I bet his glove compartment is nothing but salt, pepper, and ketchup packets. Yeah, one or two mustard, but not too many. But yeah, one, just... like he's got a Worcestershire one from one of those weird places where you could get a packet of Worcestershire sauce. Right, and some soy from some like a. Maybe a duck Chinese sauce. Food. Yes, duck sauce. Oh, for sure. duck sauce. Oh, definitely duck sauce. Yeah. I don't think you can be a TV cop and not eat out of a Chinese food container with chopsticks in your car. Right. You no, know, I don't know if you've ever seen. Cl- you call those eat a lot of hand food, but I've never seen that. Yeah, I don't think we've seen her do that, but it seems like you would. Let's send that out to the listeners. I'm sure. All right. Has- if anyone has seen that, uh, send us a photograph. <laughs> An internet television screen photograph of Colombo eating. Chinese food in the, uh, the Peugeot. If you could possibly take a photo with your brownie and send that into your local That's photo. Right. Yes. And the- uh, Kodak disc camera. <laughs> Use that. To develop it. And yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, very good. I like that scene. <laughs> I think that was a solid scene. My wife was cracking up about it because, of course, you know, uh, uh, Janie is sitting in kind of a cutie little. Uh, kind of like a little innocent girl pose, all knees tucked up, and my wife was asking if this was the prison with the pillow fights. Huh, yeah. It looks, it just looks very, very sorority-ish for some reason. The way right, she's like, like some cheesy B movie lady, yeah, uh, hot ladies in prison kind of thing. I was confused how she had like she already had prison gear because she only right. seemed to be in jail for a few hours. Yeah, and I've never been arrested. But I, Fingers crossed. Yeah, do you so want to be? far, I mean, not <laughs> particularly, but you never know. Um, but so far, I've, as of the recording of this episode, I've never been arrested. But I'm pretty sure first they, when they put you in like the police jail, it's just to take you somewhere else, and they don't right. take yeah. your clothes away yet. Unless you're Joe Ohio, yeah. Yeah, they don't have a, a variety of of you know semi stylish off gray shift dresses for you to change into and smoke in. Right, and and then uh, reading at least three quarters away through some paperback. She's been there long enough to do that. Too. <laughs> maybe like, she's a up. speed reader. Oh, could be. Yes. She she'd already joined the maybe she's already like gotten in the prison library. Cause that's always like that's soft duty. You want to get soft, into that. Soft duty. Yeah, I mean, she's, get into that. she is wealthy. True. So she yes. could have bought some influence there. Yes. Yeah, I can't believe there's no bail for that incredibly right. weak. Eh. Yeah. Again, just not not the most connected episode. I uh, feel like a lot of things were maybe written by people that hadn't that only had vague concepts of what jail is like and what a museum might be like. And yes. They, <laughs> yeah. Like they seem to really know like about a salon. I will say that the man. <laughs> The manicures then cost the same as a manicure now. I don't get a lot of manicures. Twenty five bucks. Really? Oh, that was, that was like, a manicure and a haircut, though. No, both. I thought that I thought that the haircut was twenty, and then the manicure was twenty five. No, it was twenty five altogether. Yeah, so it was like twenty for the haircut, five for the manicure. Okay, then that's. I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> twenty dollars. Yeah. Uh, God, uh, Supercuts charges twenty bucks for a haircut. If you can. Uh, just imagine how much they charge for a manicure, though. I don't know. Maybe I'm the same. Who knows? I just did my nails the other day, and my I can like I could probably I could probably blind a pilot in midair if I, it's so shiny. I just love it. Yeah, no, I did mine the other day, which consisted of like a nervously digging at them till I uh, bleed the cuticles. So that's how oh, I do mine. So it's good. Yeah, maybe you should go to nice. Daryl. I like yeah. Daryl would do well. I think Daryl would make it much better. 
I think I would also like to replace uh, traditional greetings with just looking at each other's hair going, Daryl? <laughs> at a new level of politeness. Oh, so uh, actually uh, about that whole thing, too. Uh, the, the weird thing that Columbo apparently has no idea how a watch works. Oh, that scene, though. That was a little weird. That Columbo doesn't know. Not just that scene, but there were like two scenes in here where you realize Columbo does not ho- know how a watch works that has a calendar on it. Like, you didn't yeah, know it how flipped is- over? How is his watch only one day behind? I don't know. Because apparently it's been several months that he doesn't know how that works. And there's a couple months where that's an issue. And the watch is not brand new. So, yeah. I don't know. But, like, it, so apparently it took 20 minutes to explain to Milton how a calendar watch worked. And you think that's unlikely, but the scene where Columbo gets it explained to him goes on. Oh, yeah. For a little long, a little way too much too long, far well, too long. Well, it's for the audience. You know what? I think it might have been. Uh, um, NBC probably had some sort of uh, federal grant. From uh, the Calendar Watch Association? Right. To, to explain people to people to wind yes, their watches. Exactly. <laughs> to, to uh, explain to folks, to train them. Uh, how watches uh, with calendars actually work. So that's probably what it was a little bit of product placement. They probably got a bit of uh, uh, some money for that. So that's probably what that was. So actually, it, it's it's seamless how they work that in. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I assume you're correct. Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, that's the best explanation for why we needed to explain watches for like a good 15 minutes of this episode. Oh, sure. Sure. Yes. And, you know, uh, I feel like fill time. Yeah. Even if somebody who was like, say, 20 years old was watching this episode and had never lived in a world where where analog watches were common. Right. That's it would still be too long to explain it to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> never mind. Genuinely old you, people you, like you, you, like RJ and I. And you pull this thing out, turn it a couple times <laughs> when the month doesn't have that many days. There you go. Uh, You're done. That's it. There's explanation. You're fine. Just so long, just so long. It's very strange. Oh, I'm going to so, oh, need you to do that again for like 25 minutes before I really <laughs> understand it. <laughs> All right. We're going to work on this. That'll be Next, the, uh, the capper for this. It'll be the, our uh, following podcast yeah. is going to be a 26-part series on how to wind a watch. Yeah. Um, so, Sergeant, oh, I've like, look at my notes. Um, they're talking about uh, the – and actually, uh, the security guard who gets murdered – Definitely fits the bill of a Columbo uh, poor bastard, as mm. we've defined it. That poor bastard, the poor sap who just gets caught into things, whatever. But when they were trying to like look at uh, his his suit, his clothes, the, the costuming, and um, Sergeant Miller doesn't really get what Columbo is saying about him going somewhere warm. Sergeant Miller says, like, well, he's not dressed for Europe. There's uh, other places in the world that are kind of warm and tropical, maybe, that he might be going that aren't the United States. The guy didn't seem to understand that for some reason. But there are other places in Europe that people would travel outside of the continental U.S. Yeah, I mean, strange. I thought Colombo covered that when he was talking about getting his vaccines. Oh, yes, he definitely did. But, and uh, this is... Something I wrote down. So he was talking about getting a vaccine, but then earlier Joyce Van Patten was talking about how she doesn't trust modern medicine. So I was trying to figure out if there was going to be some sort of anti-vaccination bent, but it never came up. I didn't even... uh, You know Actually, and also, uh, thank you, Jamie, uh, for actually taking notes. (laughs) Because we we have had folks on here who have not always taken notes. We've had folks on here uh, who have... Uh, watch the episodes while we're recording the podcast. So thank you oh, yeah, for no, actually I, watching it and taking notes. I God bless you and, and took keep notes. You. And I, I I googled things as well. Actually, oh my the, God! Well, because I was trying to figure out if the allergies, because I had never seen an episode before, so I didn't know if Columbo's allergies were a thing he always had, or if it was like a ploy. And this, when I googled like Columbo sneeze, the second <laughs> website that came up, which I did not visit, uh, was sneezefetishforum.org. Wait, what? Oh no! Apparently, apparently oh, no. There's stuff about Columbo's allergies on some kind of sneeze. Oh, good website. lord. I didn't go to it, so I can't I, tell you, because I was afraid that um, 
I'd get on a list. I don't know how I feel about that. Part of me I, feels I, like we need no. to cover that in another episode, and part of me feels like you do. I don't ever want to see that in my life. I, I didn't either. I feel like maybe you could just leave it up to the listeners if they would like to go to sneezefetishforum.org at go. their own risk. Oh, I'm sure. Risk. I'm sure we got people uh, listening to the show who have already been there many times. You guys, you guys yeah. are missing so much by not visiting this site. It is. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Dear. Uh, uh, I'll take your word for it. Yes. They, they are cataloging all the episodes in which Columbo sneezes. This is a database I didn't know could possibly exist. Wait, we've got you're it. actually there looking at it. You know I'm there looking at it. Oh, my God. Uh, of course, really? old-fashioned murder. He also sneezes in playback where he has a cold. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he sneezes in uh, two or three times from allergies after hiding in bushes in A Stitch in Crime. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, it? that's it? That's it. It, I would like a, to. Uh, so it's just a list of sneezes. It's not like sexual no, comments a, on the list or something. God, there not. is an there is an anecdote. Oh, would you like to hear? The, it's clean. Please. Why not? Okay, good. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, this comes from, by the way, Watercolor Daydreams, <laughs> who is far far too young to be posting things right on this site. She's okay. somewhere between the age of thirteen and seventeen, according to her bio. Oh. Uh, yep, yep, yep. It's, I a, it's a dude in his 40s, but yeah. yeah. It it's me. I totally remember <laughs> Old Fashioned Murder. I was watching it with my family, which made it horribly embarrassing because I was enjoying the sneezing so much. Oh. He sneezes He sneezes like five or six times because of allergies. If I remember well, I need to watch that episode again, in parentheses, sans relatives, oh. because it's one of my guilty pleasures. Winky emoji, smiley emoji. It's on Netflix BTW. Oh, my There's God. There's definitely no 13-year-old girl who's thinking, like, Columbo's the guy. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Like, this is this is the best. Well, I'm I'm going to have to take three showers tonight after the podcast just to uh, wash right, this off. Yes, yeah, like, I'll be sneezing. <laughs> wink, wink to our listeners. I oh, love you. God. I love the future. Oh, it's just the best. I wish I didn't live here, but yeah. <laughs> Goodness uh, oh, we, we've completely forgotten a character who's definitely worth uh, addressing. Who? Eloise Hart playing Kathy the maid. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, yes. The who? maid who is so nervous all the time, shaking and screaming. Who Celeste yes. Holmes, Celeste Holmes. Oh, with the yes. gravy? Right. The oh, gra- my God, the gravy. The gravy in the pitcher. Like, Columbo goes in to talk to her. She drops the pitcher breaks it and he's like i'm sorry don't need to talk to you which at least like goes back to your thing john with like uh, peter falk doing this kind of light comedy thing yeah totally in that scene yes uh and according Very to funny. uh gravydropfetish.com <laughs> <laughs> oh how i wish no uh, but she's oh. she's fantastic because she ends up being kind of like uh, she plays sort of a sidekick character to celeste holmes in the gravy scene right which is terrific because we all Celeste Holm does in this thing is overreact, and now she's got somebody who overreacts more. Yes, I I really kind always of always carrying a liquid. Always carrying right. a liquid. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the last person we should be giving like fracturable bowls full of liquid to. Right, is the person we've hired to do that. Columbo, by the way, could not have better announced his presence going into the kitchen. He knocked. Oh yes. He said something. Not his fault. And he he. He could have been, like, in the next room firing off a Reagaton air horn. <laughs> and she still wouldn't have heard him because, I guess, a sink absorbs all noise. Oh, sure. Yeah. Anyway, but... Uh, character it, was a, it was a wealthy sink. A wealthy sink. We don't know the sink's the wealthy. They're I luxurious. They're luxurious and have, like, the sound bafflers. Yes. Oh, goodness. Well, we're getting towards anything. We should probably start wrapping things up. Sure. Um... So let's go around the horn, uh, get final uh, impressions of it. Uh, we'll start, as we usually do, with our guest, uh, Jamie. Uh, so overall, uh, what do you think of this episode? Good things, bad things? Uh, what would you tell folks? Well, I I mean, I really like middling procedurals. So the fact that this episode <laughs> didn't make a lot of like didn't make a lot of aesthetic sense was perfectly fine with me because right. it hit all of the the notes of like. 1970s reruns I saw as a child so every aspect of it was like was strangely comforting um I still don't understand why everybody was directed to be in a different tv show but you know 
Um, but I did, I wrote down one more line that I think was actually my favorite line after the, um, the, whatever the one, the one about like, I'm not made of lace. Right. Uh, it was when Columbo came in and was talking to Choice Van Patten and she just said, Oh, are you interested in figurines or has there been a homicide? <laughs> like, I mean, at that po- I, I kind of felt like at that point, Columbo was like, Oh yeah, she did it. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. Let me get a haircut out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Better call Daryl. Um, I love that I, show. Bob Odenkirk does a great job. Better call Daryl, yeah. Better call Daryl. What a great break program. It's, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's weird about this one. I really, when I started watching it again the second time for this episode, I really, really didn't like it the first 15 minutes or so. And then kind of warmed to it a little bit, but it still, it's like, eh, it's all right. I don't know. It, it, it's okay. There's some things in it. I like the Columbo stuff in here a lot. I like uh, the investigative stuff. The thing I kind of made fun of in the uh, summary where he's just sitting in some uh, weird little alcove just listening uh, to the recordings of uh, Tim O'Connor again and again. It's strange, but I like it because he kind of goes off where Columbo, he didn't get it from the tapes. He knows about this history stuff, about Byzantine history and things like that. You can tell, like, oh, he knows that because that wouldn't have been on the tape. So you get, like, a really nice uh, window into Columbo being this very, very intelligent guy who wants people to completely underestimate him all the time. But, yeah, no, I think, I didn't think about this way, but Jamie's thing where she, where where you talk about, like, everyone was directed to be in a different show. I think that's kind of it with the writing and the directing. It seems like there's a bunch of really weird, different things that don't quite come together. And the whole thing also just Mm. feels very uh, cheap and strange. Like 80% of it feels like it's a uh, um, bottle ship episode a little bit because it's always that one thing. And I don't know. It's, it's okay, but it's, it's definitely not one of my favorite seventies Columbo episodes. Yeah, it's all right, I guess. John, what would you rate this? Uh, well, actually, let me. Uh, I want to do one of my favorite lines we didn't get to. Sure. Which is, I think, where Columbo figured it out uh, when he's he's talking about when he usually when he says homicide department. Uh, most women they act a little upset, so I try to calm them with a little chit chat, and then he's got the line, "I've been doing that for so long <laughs> that I forgot to notice that you weren't upset." Oh yes. Oh oh. Which oh. I'm pretty sure that's where he got. And, it. and if I, I may. Mean- there, there's a thing uh, where he's with her, and he does the thing, the class Columbo thing, where he lets her get into the whole, well, here's how I think it might have happened. And she falls for it, and he kind of implies something about the niece, and she gets up, and she's like, oh, no, you can't think that. And there's this great shot of Falk where the look on his face is like, oh, you're just completely bullshitting me. <laughs> where it's completely obvious, like, I know it's you, and I know you're just completely trying to put one over on me, whatever. Like, I, that that was something I forgot. But yeah, that was actually really quite nice, too. Yeah. Uh, that being said, let me take you on a little emotional roller coaster that was this episode for me. Okay. When, when you mentioned that we were going to be watching Old Fashioned Murder, and I realized it was one set in a museum, <clears throat> I thought, oh, I, I kind of hate that episode. I remember watching it when I was binge-watching Columbo. And I couldn't really remember why I didn't like it, except that I, f- I felt it, it felt flat. Mm-hmm. So I started watching it, and within three minutes, I was really wrapped or really taken by Joyce Van Patten's performance. And I liked the stage-like setting of it. I thought Tim O'Connor uh, really played off her well. And I was trying to remember, why did I hate it so much? And I was running it through my head like, well, I thought it was kind of flat. I thought it over relied on the main character and I didn't like the part about the haunted suit of armor. Now (laughs) it is at that moment that I realized that I was conflating this episode of Columbo with an episode of Kolchak, the night stalker, (laughs) which also involved a museum of medieval goods, but had a haunted suit of armor in it. Uh, (laughs) So, so then I was able to kind of watch it with fresh eyes, and I enjoyed it, but, you know, I watched it several times. <laughs> and there's our podcast after this, but yes. <sighs> so I watched it several times. So when I watched it that time, it was entirely from the, the, 
the position of thinking I'd hated it, realizing I'd completely overwritten it in my memory with a different show. And I liked it a lot the first time, and then I watched it again, and all of the little failings and weird stuff and and weird camera and the, the oh there's a a thing i'm really biased against in direction when you have two characters talking and all you do is you just switch the camera and point it at whoever's talking right there's I a lot of that like in here yeah. so much of it yeah. and it's okay once in a while but when it becomes the go-to it's very annoying it's very distracting to me so that started to get me and by the end of it it's an episode where you know, it does feel like a crazy quilt, and I was able to pick up a few things that I like. It's not terrible. It's not egregious. Six, uh, six uh, ash poison belt buckles. I don't even know what to rate it. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll give it between five and a half and six um, incomplete stories about a lost love affair. Okay. Out of ten. Out sure. of ten. All right, eh, it's a weird one. Yeah. It's all right, but it's like, eh. If if you're going through uh, Columbo, do you have time enough to watch every single episode from the seventies? Uh, you're okay uh, dancing around this one. Uh, Jamie, are are you uh, inspired by inspired inspired by this one uh, to watch other seventies Columbo episodes? Absolutely. All I right. Feel like I always knew who Columbo was, but I never actually watched Columbo. So it felt like I was watching something that was familiar, although I've not seen any single episode. There are much, much, much better ones than this. So... And this one's surrounded by two pretty good episodes. Uh, season well, six. Yeah, wait, what else? Fade into Murder. William oh, Shatner. yeah, yeah. William Shatner, before this one, good one. And it ends on Bye Bye Sky High IQ Murder Case, which we all hated when it started, but we loved it by the yeah, end. Yeah, ended up liking it, yeah. So... Yeah. Definitely watch the Shatner one. The Shatner one is, uh, that's some fun stuff. That's weird. He's a creep. That's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jamie, thanks for reading the show. Uh, folks want to see and read what you're doing these days. Uh, where should they go on the internet? I have a website, which is just jamiefountain.com. Uh, so, um, and, and the uh, the last, how, how should they, uh, typing it in, spelling, but what's the proper uh, way? My first name is spelled the J-A-I-M-E, and my yeah. last name is the word fountain with an E on the end. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Exactly. And uh, stuff around Philadelphia, do you have any uh, readings and things like that coming up? Um, my reading series is on hiatus until September 29th, but next Wednesday, um, the well, 20th. Well, 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 okay, 20th of July. Yes. This will not be up before then. <laughs> then it doesn't matter. Okay. September 29th, I have a reading coming up uh, at Tattooed Moms. Oh, good. Uh, assuming this airs by September. Uh, it, well, fingers crossed, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, even like September 27th would give people plenty of time. Yeah, it'll but, be uh, then, sure. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Zoe Zolbrod, Sari Wilson, uh, Stephen Thomas, and Christopher Boucher reading at Tattooed Moms on Thursday, September 29th. Mm-hmm. And I may or may not make somebody sing Islands in the Stream with me beforehand. There you yeah. go. And that's uh, that's on the wonderful, beautiful South Street. South Street. Yeah. Philadelphia. Just, I, I haven't been to Tattooed Moms in 10 years. Oh, but you've been, it, so you know, yeah. but it, it, it hasn't changed much. So you're No. Fine. Yeah. Almost not at all. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the graffiti and the uh, the bumper cars are still up there on the second floor, so you're fine. Yeah. Still, still a good jukebox. Boys. Yeah. yeah. I got to I got to visit Philly again. I got to. Yeah, you ought to. Also, I ought to visit uh Come visit Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. And all our listeners, come join us in Philly and Seattle. <laughs> yes. We'll have a uh, Colombo Con 2017. And then we're going to go to year. Michigan to see uh Kevin Clowder put on another production. Michigan, it was Minnesota. Was it oh, so, I'm so sorry. There's no there, reason to go to Michigan. They're the same. There's no reason. Oh, well, I don't know if I <laughs> Yeah, one's, one's one's a glove, one ain't. Uh John, what do you have uh coming up and going on? I got nothing. Really? I don't think so. At all? Well, I can't announce the thing yet. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. All right. Uh, we'll we'll, think, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I think we got November before I can announce it. All right. All right. Well, yeah, we'll still be we'll we'll be doing. Yeah, we're still doing these things by then. Uh, me, I got nothing either. It's warm. Uh, all right. Well, that's the show for this time. Uh, well, thank you, Jamie, for being on. Lost up. track. Yeah. Thanks for much. having me. Um, yeah. If you want to listen to other episodes, oh, just one more thing. Uh, we're on iTunes, the TV movie section. Uh, we're in the uh, the um, Google uh, 
music podcast <laughs> deal we're on. No, we're on like pretty much if you you have a, a phone or a computer, you can look for podcasts. We're listening to all of those. But also you can go to our website, jmtpodcast.com. All the old and new ones are right there. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, where we can uh, post about new episodes a bit earlier than other folks, uh, than other people would see. Uh, plus retweeting uh, other people posting about Columbo. That's uh, JMT Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, on Tumblr, uh, we re-post uh, uh, other folks' things. Plus, John puts screen caps up of uh, the episodes and his further thoughts on things we don't get to here. And, as you may have guessed, that's jmtpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, but, yeah, that's where you can find some place. Oh, and also, if you want to send us emails, we do like getting emails. Uh, we do read them. We're not always swift in responding uh, <laughs> because I am a lazy, lazy man. No, and, I should do it. I've got no. We eight. both can, but it, it's you me. Know. It comes to me. I ought to lose that guy who wants us in that liberal thing. We should do that. So if I you're know. listening, sir, we read it. We're, we're going to respond to you in the next week or so. Don't worry. We're going fact, to do the liberal thing, according to yes, RJ. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever that is. It's a, uh, it's anyway, a show. It's a podcast. Email, the email address is uh, Columbo at thecitydesk.net. You can reach us there. Uh, that's the program. I'm RJ White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go through the museum with you later. Oh, listen, just one more thing. On July 17th, shortly after the recording of this podcast, Jamie Fontaine was arrested for grand larceny, petty larceny, Gary Pettis larceny, regicide, theft of Babylonian artifacts, theft of Fredonian artifacts, counterfeiting, reckless endangerment, Rodney and Dangerfield, false imprisonment, horse rustling, racketeering, Ben Affleckateering, failure to signal a left-handed turn, and impersonation of an elected federal official. She was tried and convicted by a jury of her peers and sentenced to a term of one year to life at the Blavitt Correctional Facility in South Philadelphia.